You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for Thursday. November 11th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball related work at places like baseball on base, off bench baseball, or just baseball to which I am a staff writer for got a new piece dropping on there soon. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J A V I I P E N O, which I am pointing to right now. And you can see that I'd be pointing to it. If you're watching YouTube, Lockdown Padres on YouTube, guys. Uh, I'm also leaving a description to the YouTube channel in the old audio description of whatever podcast feed you're on. And also follow the uh, page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, where I post a bunch of questions and it's a bunch of memes that are Padres centric on there that you guys will hopefully like. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available. Like I said, on all platforms. And today's show, it's a fun one. It's a fun one. It is part one, breaking down the top 50 free agents available for this coming off season in obviously Major League Baseball. No, duh, you're listening to a baseball podcast. I don't know why I included that part. But um, this is all being based off of Keith Law. This is not my own list. This is not my own list. I'm using his uh, kind of article that he put out in The Athletic that you guys can check out um, as a blueprint. To give my thoughts, maybe I disagree with a couple of the, the way he ranked things, which I, based on the top 10, I, I certainly think I have a couple uh, that I disagree with, but um, it, it's very, uh, what's the word? It, it's it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited to break this down, talk about whether or not players might be guys that the Padres should go after. I will tell you, uh, not necessarily too many in the top 10 that I think the Padres should be going after. Not necessarily. That doesn't mean that I would hate it if they signed any of these guys. But uh, I still thought that it's just so much fun to talk about free agents. And I know doing the countdown things as a listen to countdown, then get saying it's actually almost if you haven't read the key flaw article, I definitely recommend checking it out. But I also think that if you have it, then you have a little surprise ahead of you just in terms of listening and stuff. So yeah, let's get into it. We're starting part one of this breakdown. We're not breaking down all 51 episode. That'd be crazy. The episode would go out an hour and a half and I want to split it up to make it something to look forward to. Uh, so we're going to only do the first 10 today. Now, granted, they are the top 10. They are the most exciting ones. So let's get into it. Everybody, number one with Keith Law's article. First of all, I want to say the reason I'm doing Keith Law is just because one of the more prominent voices in baseball, um, whether or not you disagree with him or not, his opinion is definitely something that people will talk about. So I figured let's use that as a starting off point to get into all this. All right. So if you disagree with some of the rankings, I get it. But that's the fun of it. That's the fun of it. All right. So number one, Puerto Rican power. He's a shortstop. He was doing the bet against me. He was pumping his chest in the playoffs. That is Carlos Correa, Mr. Carlos Correa, coming in at number one for Keith Law's top free agents heading into the season, and I agree with it. You know what I mean? In 2021, he set a new high with 26 home runs, cutting his strikeout rate down to a career low. He plays great defense, and most importantly, he's 27 years old, which some people, at least maybe it's just me, uh, sometimes forget. 
Uh, I forgot that he's only 27 years old. He felt like he was like 29, 30 uh, based on how long I feel like I've heard about him, whether it was him as a prospect, whether it was him as the Astros. These last few years have felt like a little bit of a blur almost, but also part of that is the fact that you feel like you haven't seen him play as much, which is because he hasn't always been a sigil of health. He has only, uh, what's it called? He's only qualified for the batting title twice full 162 game season is something that he hasn't necessarily been close to achieving throughout most of his career. Um, I just think that, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a risk, Carlos Correa. It's definitely a risk, but it definitely is everybody. And the only reason I say Carlos Correa is a risk is because you'd probably be looking at a massive, massive deal for Carlos Correa. And depending on what team you are, depending on what your situation is, maybe you got to be careful with that. In terms of as a player, he hits the ball hard as heck. He plays great defense. He's clearly a gamer. He's got that personality that I think would be great for a bunch of ball clubs that have been struggling in the playoffs. Maybe like the Yankees, a team that just seems to have a bunch of guys. You know, you got Stanton and Judge over there, but they seem to always have these guys that aren't, you know, coming up big for them in the postseason. You know what I mean? Look at Joey Gallatis in, in the in the wild card game. DJ LeMahieu, well, in fairness, he didn't play this year, but there seems to always be some sort of would be very good for that team, especially with Glaber Torres kind of ailing. But um, yeah, Keith Law says he's looking at a 10 uh, 10 year deal or something like that. Someone who produced a 50 to 60 war wins above replacements over that period with some MVP level seasons in the next few years. I agree. His war this season was 7.2 career war of 34.1. He's been very, very good. And I don't think, I know that there's a lot of health concerns, but I don't view this as Troy Tulowitzki. You know what I mean? There's just something about it that feels very like, yeah, he's been injured and whatnot, but it doesn't feel like he's getting injured on the most almost routine of plays and in, in extreme, extreme injuries. I mean, Troy Solowitzki, you just watch him play, and it's just always when you were watching him play, you always had that, oh, oh, when he dives for the ball, you're like worried every single time you get hurt. I don't think that's the case with Carlos Correa. It would not surprise me if Carlos Correa was kind of like a Manny Machado. Manny Machado earlier in his career, to give a little bit of a, uh, a Padres reference, was very, very health um, concerned. You know what I mean? He missed entire seasons. He, everyone was wondering, can he stay healthy and all this stuff? And then he did. And then he became the most healthy player. I'm not saying he's going to be that level of sigil of health, Carlos Correa, but I think that it's at least worth mentioning that it is possible that Carlos Correa, maybe he can leave some of the injuries behind him. I agree with him being the top free agent overall. I don't think that there was any chance it would be a pitcher or whatnot. This year's free agent class is exceptionally, exceptionally deep, especially at the shortstop position. So that really just shows you how good Carlos Correa is. And he's Puerto Rican, so I'm rooting for him. I also think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Texas maybe goes after him, whether or not Detroit goes after him. Two teams that have been a little bit in the rudder, especially the the, the, the latter in Detroit, because they have just been rebuilding forever, it feels like. But Texas, there's been rumors that they're trying to, you know, bloat their payroll a little bit more uh, heading into the season, which could be interesting. Maybe they'll go on a spending spree. I don't know, but spent a lot of talk, time talking about Carlos Correa. Let's get into the next guy, Corey Seager. In 2021, he had a war of 3.7, career war of 21.3. Here's the thing. If we want to talk about injury stuff, I think you have to bring it up a little bit with Corey Seager. You know what I'm saying? He's missing. He missed two months this past season with a broken bone in his right hand. And he also had that season last year where he's a little bit kind of beaten up. He's had a couple seasons before. So my thing is that if Correa wants, if people want to bring up the health with Correa, you got to bring it up with Corey Seager. It's not like he's been a sigil of health either, but he's a very good player. I'm very curious to see where he goes. It's a vibe that I don't think he's going back to the Dodgers. He's eight years old, so it's not an age thing or or anything like that, but it might be a condition of health, and it might be also not the greatest defender, which is Carlos Correa is much better, um, elite caliber, um, you know, gold glove potential type of player in Carlos Correa. 
Corey Seager, one of those guys that I just, I think the, the point of, hold on, I'm getting my points mixed up. He, because of the trade for Trey Turner, I am very suspect that the Dodgers are going to go and re-sign um, Corey Seager. They still could, don't get me wrong, you have Trey Turner playing second, you can move things around for sure, but maybe the signing, the trade for Trey Turner suggests that they're going to go, instead they get a year with whatever contract Trey Turner has right now, and then maybe you extend him next year because they had him for half a season, now they're having for full another season, instead of giving the full bag to Corey Seager. I don't disagree with his ranking at number uh, for this upcoming uh, free agency class. I think that the age has a big part of this. I think the fact that he burst onto the scene so quickly, he's got incredible ball skills and arguably even a better batter sometimes than than Carlos Correa, if we're being honest. So I actually don't disagree with the rating at all. Again, though, both of these guys, they're shortstops, not guys that the Padres are going to be aiming for. And you're going to get a lot of that with part one of our discussion, guys. But very curious to see where Corey Seager goes. Look, Keith Law mentions it in this. Such a deep free agent class. It doesn't have the Machado and Harper, like those two, oh my God, these guys are potential Hall of Famers, all available in the same class. Um, unfortunately, we were supposed to have Jose Fernandez that year as well. And unfortunately, the tragic incident that happened there. But there was a lot of, like, the, it was top loaded that year. Uh, this year, it's super, super deep. And you guys are going to get that as we continue talking. Let's move on to the next one, who is also a player that I don't think the Padres will be going for. Shortstop and second baseman, number three on Keith Law's top 50. Marcus Semyon in 2021 of 7.1, career war of 28.6. What I love about Marcus Semyon is he's shown steady improvements at the major league level for a long time. He was just a kind of average player. Then he slowly got better at defense, slowly got better at offense, until it got to the point where 2019, 2018, he was just a really stud caliber player. And some people will say, oh, well, his defense is because he was a product of Matt Chapman. And to that I say, well, sort of. I mean, yeah, but at sub level, you got to give credit to what um, Marcus Simeon is being able to pull off. He's increased his ability. He's steadily improved. It reminds me a little bit of Kyle Seeger, not Corey Se uh, Seeger, but Kyle Seeger, who's steadily increased every year. Now, that might suggest that a giant regression is coming because we all know Kyle Seeger kind of a little bit fell off the map. But I do still think that um, Marcus Simeon is going to be very good. I thought that the the signing of him was um incredible he won the gold glove by the way this year and he was excellent with the a's i thought that the being cheapskates was one of the more under stories that happens in the offseason this past year i thought marcus Simeon. i mentioned him you could go look up uh, when i did the breakdown last year of top 50 free agents i was like marcus Simeon should be so much higher i think this guy is a beast and i think that we're using 20 tall apart couldn't really hit he was so inconsistent throughout i think we were using that as like this giant excuse to just be like, oh, there it is. There's the regression. We never believed it in the first place. And here it finally happened. I just didn't believe that. I thought he could have been the MVP in 2019, 2018. I really did. I mean, he finished like third. So I really think that Marcus Simeon, we're going to see what kind of deal he gets. I'm very curious to see what the Blue Jays do this offseason because they have two kind of bounce back super performers in both Marcus Simeon and Robbie Ray, who will be coming up soon. But I think with Marcus Simeon, he's a guy that, while I would love nothing more than to have a superstar beast for the Padres, shortstop, second base, we got that covered right now. You know what I'm saying? So I don't really see anything happening there. He would be a guy that the Padres probably would have been looking in uh, into if not for the fact that, you know, Jake Cronenworth has been just such an awesome player and he's not going to cost anything for a while. So three of these guys, not the top three free agents heading into the 2020 to 2021 offseason, whatever way you want to phrase it. Um, I agree with all of them. Marcus Simeon's great, and I told you guys that he was going to be great this year. The Blue Jays got him on a, uh, on a, on a, on a, on a, 
what's what's the word? They got him on a dime. It didn't make any sense that people were giving up. Oakland offered him a one-year, $12.5 million contract or around that range, and they were going to prorate it over 10 years. And the Blue Jays were just like, how about we give you one-year 18? And Mark Simmons like, sure. Now he's going to cash out big time. I think he re-signs with the Blue Jays, but I'm very curious to see how that market pans out. He's a very good player. And now before we get into the rest of the top 10, top 50, uh, part one of this free agency breakdown, guys, I've already been rambling on and what have you, but I need to talk to you about bet online they have a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props and odds and lines than ever before they remain your numero uno spot for all the basketball and football action this season head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus but of course guys not just basketball and football you cover with baseball they got you covered with the nhl with boxing with ufc your favorite vegas casino games they got you man bet online is the fast and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts and i want to mention just one more time guys i gotta say it i gotta say it i gotta say it thank you for making a lot on padres your hashtag for a free and available on all all right, let's continue the breakdown, guys. This has been really fun, and I'm and also please feel free to leave comments in this uh, in the old video uh, that we have here or on the Apple Podcast app. I used to do that where I would take questions from the Apple Podcast reviews. If you sent me five star reviews, you can send me a question. Do that still. I would very much appreciate that. I want to get my rating up, uh, but I think that so far. Um, I don't think there's anything to really disagree with with this top 10 list so far. And now, and wow, I just got an alert that Cam Newton going back to the Panthers. That's wild. Sam Darnold, you're a bust. Oh, my God. But anyway, um, Freddie Freeman is number four on Keith Law's top 50 free agents available. He is 32 years old. 2021 war. He had a 4.7 career war of 43.1. A potential Hall of Famer. 32 years old, though. He won, a he won in 2020 the MVP award, which I said was fine. I had no issue with that. I also thought it was kind of like a heartwarming story, given that he, you know, went through a lot with his COVID-19 infection and all that stuff. So that was a lot. But he he says, keep on the article, posts another Freeman sort of season since the 2016-2017 peak. He has posted WRC plus figures of 137, 136, and 135 in the last three full MLB seasons. He did maintain the lower strikeout for 2020 with a 15.4% rate. That was Freeman's best ever in a full season. A very favorable indicator for his ability to hold his value into his mid-30s. He's a first baseman only, which is the only negative against him. But I will say... I think that this is another one that he's resigning with the Braves. It sounds like he's probably inclined to stay there. I just don't see him moving. Um, you know, I just I just don't see it. I know Padres fans. This is the first one that's relevant to the Padres. They want Freddie Freeman. A lot of people have been like, bring him in. He's his, his son is such a big fan of Tatis. There we go. Let's make the connections. Like we're the NBA freakouts. You know what I mean? When when uh, everyone thought uh, Kevin Durant was going to the Knicks because he called Chris Porzingis a unicorn. And they used that for months and whatnot. But I don't see it. I really think that he likes Atlanta. I think that he's happy there. At 32 years old, it is true. He's just such a pure bat. Now, I will say it's defense. That's one of the reasons his, his war in 2020, uh, 2021 was so low, is that he wasn't a great defensive player uh, necessarily. Not Eric Hosmer level of frustrating, because also he's a great bat. So I actually think he's going to age fairly well. Maybe he won't hit like 35, 40 bombs or anything like that. Maybe he won't be incredible in that respect, but he's going to be a good player. I don't see him having a catastrophic fall off. 
Now I could see him just being a good player for a while, for a long time, which is fine when you're giving these sort of contracts, but I don't see him falling off. And that's one of the reasons I agree with him being at number four, even if he won't be as good as the upside as some other players potentially that are heading into free agency. Uh, I just like his bat. And also depending on whether or not a DH comes to the national league next year, Maybe the Braves won't care. They'll be like, cool, we could just put him at DH when he starts losing some of his wear. It allows players to grace a lot more easily. There's a reason why David Ortiz was able to keep up those numbers, in my opinion, at least, uh, because he's able to play DH. Number five on Keith Law's top 10, or I'm sorry, top 50, but we're doing part one. The top 10 uh, free agents available for this upcoming season is the first starting pitcher. Here we go. Drum roll, please. Who do you guys think he has number one? Who do you think it's going to be? Oh. It's Marcus Stroman for Keith Law, 31 years old, right-handed pitcher, 2021 war of 3.6, career war of 18.4, and a lot of people might be surprised by this. He's a ground ball pitcher, doesn't get a whole lot of strikeouts, um, throws a whole lot of sinkers, but he's a super athletic dude, and here's what I like about him the most, personally. He's a gamer. While the Mets were falling off this year, and a lot of people like bringing up, well, he was celebrating his success. Meanwhile, the Mets were were falling off. You know, he's tweeting about himself and all that. I don't really mind that that much. Again, I've said this before on a previous podcast. I don't like baseball fans, you know, and regular other players soft because themselves. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like there's a little bit of a weird uh, disconnect. Like, you can't call them soft when them doing something as small and fairly innocuous in the big, in the grand scheme of things is that, and then you're getting upset about it. It's like, there's this, you get, you get what I'm saying? It's like when they did the Javi buys, like the thumbs down, I was like, is it a little dumb? Yeah, sure. But you guys throwing an uproar, how are they the soft ones? You're throwing an uproar over thumbs down. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, uh, Marcus Stroman, a little bit of a polarizing player based on his social media presence uh, to some people. But I just think that there's something very trustworthy about him. But I do kind of disagree with him being number five on this list. Not necessarily, you know... Uh, no, yeah, I do disagree with him being number five on this list. I just don't see the upside necessarily. Although maybe Keith Law is thinking that he's just going to age better. You know what I'm saying? With that ground ball rate um, and all that stuff, he's he's incredibly athletic and seems able to make adjustments as well as any pitcher in baseball, like adding an entirely new pitch in his age 30 season. I think he's the best bet among free agent stars this year with a combination of upside and floor that puts him ahead of anyone else on the list. I, I, I don't mind this opinion. It's not that big of opinion, although I think there are other starting pitchers that I might have higher one of them we're going to get into in a little bit, but even still um, lowest ERA and FIP um, in his career. It is possible that this could have been a career type of year, but my thing is, do you want to have that as your number five overall free agent is a pitcher who at worst, like at best might just be good. Like he might be a good pitcher. Think what Zach Davies did last year, but a little bit worse. Uh, no, not a little bit worse, a little bit worse in terms of ERA. Maybe that regresses a little bit. I think he's a good pitcher. I would love him on the Padres. That'd be great. I don't think, I think a lot of people would like him. I think when you look at his metrics, everything he did is kind of legit, but I don't know exactly uh, if I, I think he should be at number five or should be the top free agent starting pitcher available. The bottom line, should the Padres go after him? I wrote about this for just baseball and I'm going to talk about it a little bit now. No, I don't think the Padres should go after him. They already have a lot of salary committed. I think that there are some low-cost um, ads, a little bit lesser free agents out there than a Marcus Stroman might command that the Padres should go after. But anyway, guys, let's now uh, talk about another guy that Padres fans are really excited about. Number six on top 50 free agents by Keith Law heading into this next season, 
outfielder and third baseman. That's right. You know who it is. The Chicago superhero, Mr. Chris Bryant, age 30. Uh, 2021 war of 3.3, career war of 28.7. Another guy that I was talking about heading into this season, I did not understand why everybody was throwing a fit. And they said, he's done. He's washed. It's been forever since he was so good. It's like he had one bad season in 2020. And every year before that, his on-base skills were like never below like 350. He's a very good on-base player even if he doesn't necessarily have the incredible play discipline that he once had, you know, he's not going to reach his career highs as Keith law notes um, of 94 walks in 2017 or 39 bombs in 2016. Um, And he also mentions he's primarily a corner guy who can play average defense at third or first and below average defense and left, as well as the ability to play center in a pinch. But as he ages, he is probably going to be best suited in the infield, which I agree with the best thing. This, this, this carries weight to it, that positional versatility. That's why I think a lot of Padres fans were a little bit excited because one, because early on in the year, Tommy Pham was just an absolute mess. Uh, and I agreed. I was like, I would not mind a trade for Chris Bryant. I didn't necessarily think that they had to, but you know, I, maybe I was wrong on that. Maybe they should have made that trade for Chris Bryant if they could have, especially considering the giants didn't necessarily give up too much. Um, and granted, we also didn't think Tommy Pham was going to crater as much as he did. But I think that when you look at his numbers, um, he's been consistently above average regular since 27. 27- Second of two consecutive years with WRC plus figures of 147 or better in 2018, 2019, and 2021. His WRC plus was between 123 and 134. Again, like I've always said, I've never understood why people keep saying that this guy was gone. It's like he had one bad season in 2020. This is the same thing with Marcus Simeon. The 2020 stats, while there were some that you could parlay and read into and definitely have reason for concern, it wasn't a reason to be out on a guy. That's what people like the Blue Jays found out, and that's what people like the Cubs found out, and in this case, the Giants. Will he stay with the Giants? Maybe. I, for one, think it would... Look, I don't necessarily know if the Padres are going to go super big in free agency. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but I will say if they don't get someone like Chris Bryant, if they don't get these top guys, I don't want them to resign with the same team. I don't want Marcus Stroba to stay with the Mets. I don't want uh, Chris Bryant to stay with the Giants. I don't want Corey Seager to go to the, stay with the Dodgers. I think it's more fun when we have more of a mix around and everything goes wild, it's even especially if uh, the Padres aren't able to get in on this. It's like a consolation prize of just being like, well, I enjoy the chaos. That's kind of my perspective on it. Chris Bryant, very good player and is a good Good example of why using the 2020 stats was a mistake and now let's get into one last one before we get into the break actually i don't know it's we're at 23 minutes already let's take a quick break everybody hold on one second all right i just remembered that uh i don't have to do another ad read or whatnot uh so that's just for all the people that are listening i could just keep going straight ahead for my audio listeners a bunch of ads just came up but anyway That was a mistake by me, guys. Sorry about that. Number seven on the list of Keith Law's top 50 free agents heading into this 2022 season and 2021 offseason. The next pitcher on the list, left-handed pitcher Robbie Ray, 31 years old. He had a 2021 war of 6.7, which was higher than uh, Mr. Marcus Stroman's career war of 15.1. And here's the thing. 
And that, this is why I'm not like that. Well, I think Robbie Ray would be my target for the number one starting pitcher available in free agency. I totally understand uh, um, Keith Law's point having um, Marcus Stroman a little bit higher because there's a little bit more of a like, I can see him sort of just maintaining that success. Well, Robbie Ray came a little bit out of nowhere. He had a 6.62 ERA in 2020 and led the National League in walks despite spending 40% of the season in the other league, which is pretty nuts. That that That's crazy. He walked 45 men in 51 and two-thirds innings. Had he qualified for the ERA title, he would have had the highest walk rate for any qualifying pitcher since 1949. And now he might win the Cy Young. How crazy is that? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't love Robbie Ray as much as I used to because I enjoyed how much of a chaos just train wreck he was with either walk, strikeout, home run. You know what I mean? He was kind of like the the modern day baseball bat with the walk strike out or home run, except as a pitcher, which was just so wild. Like I just had so much fun watching that guy every time, but now he's made a lot of physical and mechanical changes and is now throwing harder. Uh, he went from 41.6% of his fastballs being called balls last year to just 29.8% this year. His slider was the ninth most valuable among major league stars in 2021. According to Fangrass's pitch values, uh, it wasn't the most dominant pitch in general, in baseball, obviously, but it was very, very fairness. Robbie Ray has been a Cy Young contender before, um, but still, it's been a while since he was like that. That's like 2017. So I understand why Keith Law ranks him a little bit lower, but I think that the upside is there. The strikeout stuff is amazing. And what I love, big game hunting. A lot of moments in September and August when the Jays needed a big start from him, and he was electric. Like the time he went like eight innings and struck out 14 or whatever it was without allowing a run. He had those like, Oh my God, this guy looks like, you know, Roy Halladay right now. You know what I mean? Type of starting pitcher. So I think the upside for Robbie Ray is super, super high. Is he a guy the Padres will go after? I don't think so because, again, I think he's going to cost too much, especially if he goes out and wins this Cy Young. I think that a lot of people are also going to be a little bit, you know, um, tepid with their expectations, tempered with their expectations a little bit because of the aforementioned um, walk stuff and the fact that he's been a mess before. And people might be saying to themselves, are we sure this is totally legit? It's a little bit like Trevor Bauer's season from 2020 where people are like, are we sure? I mean, he's had a lot of trouble before, um, even if he had a lot of upside. I think it's legit, and I think that there's a lot of teams that are going to take a chance on him. I'm curious to see who it's going to be, whether or not the Blue Jays bring him back and Marcus Simeon. I think that's a very strong possibility. But I would also think it'd be fun if he went to the Mets, if he went to the Yankees, if he went to, I don't know, Another contending team. If the Brewers went out and spent money and acquired this guy, that'd be hilarious because they're just like, screw it. We're going to have four unstoppable pitchers. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to go for bats. But I'm just saying I would like a little bit of a turnaround. I like that pick with um, um, Robbie Ray at number seven. Uh, again, just an incredible story. An incredible story. Um, and unlike Marcus Simeon, unlike Chris Bryant, this was a guy that there's a reason why people were kind of out on him heading into this season. But it's genuinely one of the most – I mean, in your fantasy draft, nobody picked this guy. You know what I'm saying? Nobody drafted this guy in fantasy. Like, maybe you got them at the end of your draft in a really deep league, but nobody was taking this guy. They kind of had him because they were like, all right, I don't like – I don't want to, you know, get Munis and Bumgardner off the, the IL so or off the free agency waiver wire, so I might as well just – I don't know. I guess that I'll just add this guy for strikeouts. And then all of a sudden, he might win the Scion. And I think he should. I think he'd be more fun. And everybody who wants to hit me with the metrics and, you know, the margins and all that stuff, it's like, I don't know. I just think Garrett Cole kind of lumped along towards the end of the season. Didn't have a lot of big starts when they really needed him to, aside from that Houston one. But anyway, guys, moving on now to a guy who 
didn't actually instill that much fear in Padres fans this year, despite being on the Giants and being one of their ace pitchers. Number eight on Keith Law's top 50 free agents hit available uh, hitting this offseason is Kevin Gosman, right-handed pitcher, 31 years old, 2021 war. 5.3 career war of 16.8. Here is the thing. I wrote about Kevin Gosman for just baseball and saying how he reminds me of one of the reasons I love baseball. You know what I'm saying? A little bit portion of that got cut out where I talked about um, the old Aaron Sorkin show sports night, where one of the, the intro of the pilot episode is where one of the guys is falling out of his love with sports. He's like, there's some guys who are just bad people. And then we, we talk about their stats and I get bored of it. And by the end of the episode, he sees something he's never had before. And he's calling up his son and he's back in and back into sports because that's how sports is. Sometimes every now and then when it gets rough, you remember and you're reminded of like the, the possibility of how happy it'll make you or how you just never know what's going to happen. You might see something new every day. And Kevin Gossman was a little bit like that for me. I love seeing guys who failed figure it out late in their career because, you know, in sports, we love using those first few years to just bash a guy. We love it. We love being like, oh, my God, Jared Kalinick, top prospect for the Mariners. He looks like a nightmare. Oh, my God, bust. You know what I'm saying? We always do that. And I love it when guys figure it out later. This is the case of many, many um, free agents uh, for sure. You look at the White Sox with Lucas Giolito and uh, Carlos Rodon, for example, among starting pitchers. But with Kevin Gosman, um, one of the most dominant splitters, it was by far the most valuable splitter or changeup in baseball this year, according to Fangrass's pitch values. And that in turn helped put his fastball into the top 10 as well. I love that the Giants were so incredible this year. He did have a fall off, though. A lot of that 5.3 war was considering the fact that he had an ERA, a sub-2 ERA, basically heading into the All-Star break. And with the exception of Scherzer, he's like the top guy to go on the mound for the All-Star game. So he was incredible. I know there's a little bit of worry that his second half was just so poor that people are wondering, you know, whether or not he's going to keep this up. I think if you view him more as a number two, an incredible number two, instead of a good number one, I think that that's where the real value comes from. I don't think the Pirates are going to go after this guy either. Although I don't think he's going to command as hefty of a price as some people might think. Um and I think that he has the delivery and commands, although I wonder how much just being part of that San Francisco Giants organization, how much did that help him? You know what I'm saying? How much did that help him? Because they got the most out of even, hey, he didn't pitch all that much this year, but Aaron Sanchez even delivered them a couple good innings. Anthony Discofani, Logan Webb is part of his success, the fact that he was great for the Giants. That doesn't mean that he can't carry that over what he learned and what he helped um, you know, get better at. But I think that number eight for Kevin Gosman. I like it. I like it among starting pitching. I do think he's the third best um, starting pitcher available um, for sure in terms of when you look at how he's going to be signed. And what I mean by that, I'll talk about in just a second. But before we talk about another pitcher uh, in terms of value and free agency stuff, let's talk about the number nine entrance on Mr. Keith Law's top 50 free agents heading into the 2022 season, 2021 offseason, whatever way you want to go, is the shortstop second baseman, another Puerto Rican, more Puerto Rican power, two Puerto Rican powers in the top 10 this year for Keith Law. My guy. It is Mr. Javier Baez. That's right. Your boy, Javier, uh, is making an appearance on this top list. Look. Javi Baez is one of those guys that everybody thinks they're so smart by calling him overrated. Everyone thinks they're so genius. They're like, dude, he never gets on base, man. What the heck, dude? Like, he strikes out all the time. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, 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 uh. Here's the thing. I love flawed 
good overrated players sometimes it's fun who cares man stop making it your bit to complain about the guy i don't actually think there are that many people aside from like old kind of pundits on tv that are saying that javier Baez is still the best shortstop in the league he's not he's just not there are better players we've already mentioned three guys who could play shortstop on this top 10 list ahead of him so my thing is this some people might be surprised that Trevor Story isn't here. I don't, because while people do bring up the whiff rate, people do bring up the strikeout rate, the lack of walks, he has incredible power, and he's got a really good glove, even if not gold glove universally, as he was that one season. Um, I think it was, what was it, 2018, after he got that MLB The Show cover, when he batted 290, by the way, 326, 554 on base. The upside is there. I think that there are teams out there that are going to be like, you know what, the power is real. The on-base stuff is a problem yes but the power is real and the glove is real so what if we can maybe get him to chill out with his swing and miss stuff give him a little bit more discipline at the plate all of a sudden you might be looking at like a a five war player at minimum you might get a three war player and that's not too bad i think he varies a lot he's gonna be one of the more polarizing guys heading into the offseason i'm gonna be writing about him for for just baseball but even with all that strikeout rate and stuff view him as this a good player that's bottom line not a star but a good player who's also admittedly just really fun to watch play. So that's how I feel about Javier Baez. I'm very curious to see how he goes. He is 29 years old. I wish he was a little bit younger because I wish that if he was a little bit younger, that would give me belief that he could cut down on the strikeouts and whatnot. But bottom line is there are going to be teams that believe in him and they're going to say we can return him to that 290 peak to the point where the strikeouts just don't matter all that much combined with the defense and stuff. I wouldn't give him too long of a deal because I worry with age, does the defense start falling off a bit? You know what I'm saying? Does the defense fall off? Does the power fall off? If that happens, then he doesn't have the plate discipline like the aforementioned Freddie Freeman to age gracefully, especially with a high demand position like shortstop second base. So certainly the most out of the top guys that I've mentioned, certainly the highest variance. I can kind of see anything happening with him. But again, you're not that cute or creative for saying that Javier Baez is overrated, guys. At the minimum, he was still a good player this year. And by the way, had a lot of big hits for the Mets down the stretch. He was not the reason that the Mets missed the playoffs. He came in and did a good amount for them. He was kind of like uh, Ryan Finkelstein of Just Baseball and Locked On Mets. Go check out that podcast. He wrote about that, too, where he was like, hey, I mean, kind of a little bit like that Cespedes season for the Mets. But anyway, guys, that's really cool. And now number 10, before we kind of, because this episode has been long, uh, running really long. I could talk about free agent stuff forever. I think it's so, so, so much fun. Number 10 on Keith Law's top 50 free agents available for the 2022 season, 2021 offseason that we'll have coming up, is the Madman. The man of madness. He's been in the Thunderdome. He's been in the Fury Road. It is Mad Max, Max Scherzer, the bane of a lot of Padres fans' existence, 37 years old, right-handed pitcher, future Hall of Famer, 2021 war of 5.3 career war of 67.2 he's going to the hall of fame and what i've talked about before is arguably the biggest reason i think he should be going to the hall of fame is because he's one of the first ever free agents especially in the modern era to get that giant fat juicy deal and literally be valuable for the entire time now some people might be wondering He's better than Marcus Stroman. He's better than Robbie Ray. He's better than Mr. Kevin Gosman. And to that, I agree. But I also think Keith Law makes a good point here uh, in terms of the fact that he is older. He'll turn 38 in July 2022, and there aren't many pitchers who have been elite at that age or older. He says only three guys have had seven W. 
Oh, sorry. Hold on. Seven uh, wins above replacement war seasons in the integration era at age 38 or older. And I'm not sure any is a good comp- comparable here. Randy Johnson had left-handedness in his favor. Phil Necro threw a knuckleball. Roger Clemens, well, you know. Drop the bar to six war and you get two Dutch Leonard seasons from the 1940s and Bert Blyven and his hammer curveball in 1989. So just for some history reasons, I don't mind that. I think if we were talking like who's just the best available pitcher right now, if you had to have one to pitch one season for your one game for you, Max Scherzer is the guy you want. But it depends on what you're looking for. Is he going to get a five-year deal and pitch into his 40s? It's not impossible. Or it's also not impossible that he gets like a two-year, $100 million deal. You know what I'm saying? I think that it is Max Scherzer, so it is worth the risk. But I also think Keith Law brings up a great point, which is that, you know, it's it's not like this happens all that often. He is a little bit of a unicorn in that respect. What if he becomes what he was in 2020, which wasn't a bad, bad pitcher, but a pitcher who had a little bit of control issues. He still struck out some guys, but he gave up the long ball a decent amount. His fastball was getting teed up a little bit, um, and I had him on my fantasy team in 2020, so I would know. But maybe that's what he's looking at. A good pitcher, but not this elite guy that you want to sign to a five-year deal that maybe that that's not what you're, you're looking for. I don't know who he's going to resign with. But um, I'm curious. I'm curious. I don't think he's going to get that five-year deal for the record. I think he's going to get a two-year premium, premium deal, like a two-year. Literally, it could be two-year, $100 million. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, and especially it depends on teams that are really desperate for starting pitching aid. Uh, so very curious to see how that all shakes out, guys. Um, but bottom line, man, uh, that's it. That's it for the top 10, my breakdown, my early thoughts. I don't think any of these guys are necessarily targets for the Padres. I'd be a little bit surprised, but I will end the podcast with this final note. If they get rid of the guy at first base in his contract, I think essentially there are almost everyone that I mentioned is now on the table, in my opinion. But if they don't, then I don't think any of these guys are on the table. I know that they've been spending money. I know the ownership has shown no reluctance in that area. You think at some point it becomes, well, you got Tatis, you got Machado, you got the guy at first base, you had Myers for a while, you have Blake Snell for a little bit longer, you have the U Darvish salary, you got a lot of these guys, maybe they're going to say, and Fernando Tatis Jr., who if I didn't mention that just now, um, with his 14-year deal, maybe they're going to say, do we want to give another giant deal to somebody like, you know, a Carlos Correa or whoever the heck? I don't know. But that's where the rest of my breakdown comes in more fun, guys. There are so many guys. Nick Castellanos, Starling Marte, Trevor Story we didn't even get to talk about. Eduardo Rodriguez, Carlos Rodon, John Gray, who I want to definitely talk about for sure. Kyle Schwarber, Michael Conforto. There are so many guys left on this list. It is a super deep free agency class. So this was only part one of my breakdown of the top 50 free agents heading into the 2020 season. Remember, this is just a breakdown, not necessarily my definitive wish list, which will be coming out later uh, this winter and beyond, guys. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Also, you made first listen today, Lockdown Padres, hashtag first listen, but also make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Guys, again, follow the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. For Padres on Twitter, Locked on Padres on YouTube. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. All right, Fire Faithful homies, take care.